Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep, never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, and this is episode two in our recap post-Olympic trials in the marathon series, and it's with none other than Sarah Bishop. Man, this woman is one of a kind. If you haven't heard her before, please go back and listen to the other episodes. She is just a joy to talk to. Every single time I get the chance to talk to Sarah, I really appreciate it. The common thread with all of her previous episodes is that she is just such a badass. She is so competitive. She has this wonderful laugh. She's just so just she is like just an alpha in so many ways, but also so very caring in addition to that. And it's just so nice to see her doing so many wonderful things. However, in this episode, you're going to get a very different Sarah Bishop, a very emotional Sarah Bishop. So get your tissues ready because this experience in Atlanta really um, had an impact on her in many ways. And you're going to hear about it now because it really was truly remarkable to hear all of the things that affected her uh, mentally and emotionally coming into this race, running this race, and then shortly thereafter. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Bishop. The one and only Sarah Bishop on her last episode of the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast. It is no longer the Road to the Olympic Trials. The, the Olympic Trials have now passed. First of all, Sarah, congratulations on an absolutely wonderful year. Thank you. Appreciate it, Matt. It's been it's been something. <laughs> it? as, oh, I mean, if you look back to where you were, you know, first week of March, and there's where we were it's March first right now. So March first, 2019. What a very different place you were then than now. We don't need to get into all of it. If someone's listening to this episode, go back and listen to all the other ones because we dive into it completely. But you went from someone who was recovering and trying to work herself back into fitness and hopefully can stay fit and stay healthy to having the most, one of the most insane Februaries I've ever heard of somebody doing while competing at a very, very high level. It's been a remarkable year. It has. It has. So, yes, I'm excited to talk to you about, yes, the trials and just everything in, in the culmination of um, the last couple months, really. So, yeah, it'll be. Yeah, I'm excited. I know you're <laughs> eager. We we're going to do this last. We we're going to do this tomorrow night. And you sent me a text message about three hours ago. You're like, I need to get this all out. Let's do it tonight. Yeah. Let's do it tonight. <laughs> yes. So I don't yes, want to. Yes. I did not want to squash that enthusiasm. In fact, I'll let you. You can decide where we want to pick up. Do you want to pick up um, at the Mesa and lead into the, these three weeks of craziness? Or do you want to just start with the trials and then move backwards after we talk about that? Yeah, I think we start with the trials. And then um, we'll, we, I think the Mesa and the, the Wanaka 70.3 will come into play and we'll work ourselves. Yeah, it'll, it'll work itself in there. Okay, great. All right, so, so heading into the trials before you flew down to Atlanta, how were you feeling mentally, physically, and emotionally? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I guess we'll talk a little bit about February. It had been 
um, an insane month. <laughs> you know, I had done the Mesa marathon, um, thinking that I could, you know, do it as my last hard training run, but also maybe squeak in a PR. And, you know, I, I did. And then I came home and literally the next day packed up and left to New Zealand. Um, and, I had a six day trip door to door and did the, you know, Wanaka 70.3 and was fifth place there. And then I came home and had about, um, you know, less than two weeks before the trials. And you know what? I kind of recovered from Wanaka 70.3 and I was feeling really good. And I had this fantastic last long run workout. And I was like, okay, like this is it. Like I'm on a roll and I'm ready. And so, yeah. So, you know, I was feeling, um, I was feeling anxious. I was feeling prepared. I was feeling, I was feeling ready, um, in a lot of ways, kind of a lot of ways, just ready for it to be over too. I feel like there was just this huge buildup and everything was just culminating to a point and, um, to, uh, you know, to this pinnacle and it just needed to happen. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, I was mostly excited all week leading up to the trials and such, and just ready for it to happen. All right. So what was that last workout like? So I, you know, I, I, I was just feeling so good. I did like, you know, a three mile work warm up at like six twenty pace and then eight miles at like six Oh five. And then like five by one mile at six uh, or five forty-five, and anyway, it was like seventeen miles um, total at under six-minute pace, which I have never done in my life. And I had done that a week after Wanaka, which I had done Wanaka, you know, a week after the, you know, running a two thirty-nine marathon. So it was just already insane to me looking back, like what I was doing week after week. Um, cause I had never, you know, to put together, you know, a marathon and then a 70, a, you know, my, one of my best 70.3s, a marathon, and then one of my best long run workouts three weekends in a row, you know, much less, you know, weeks, weeks apart was just, I couldn't even believe I could do that. But, um, so, so yeah, I mean, I was just, I felt like, I was like on a roll. My body was doing things that I didn't even know I was capable of. And, um, you know, now is the time, you know, now is the time to put it together for the trials. Okay. So what was the trials plan in terms of travel and your schedule, roughly speaking of what you would be doing when you went down there? So, um, I plan to get down there on Wednesday. Um, because I was going to be doing, um, the, uh, live event for, um, uh, the iron women podcast on that panel, which was really great. Um, there was, you know, it was me, Ruth Brennan and, um, um, uh, Haley Chura, all pro triathletes, at least at some point and, you know, who qualified for the trial. So we had a great turnout and, you know, we talked to the women there, you know, just about our goals and balance, you know, and, you know, balancing family life and, you know, mom guilt, like just all things that were really relatable. And so that was great. And then on Thursday we had, um, my, my family was coming in on Friday. So on Thursday I was there and we just had a really busy day. Um, I went down to the convention, you know, to the, to the hotel and Atlanta track club was amazing. They were, they had done, um, 
gone above and beyond for all of the trials qualifiers to the extent of they were giving, you know, that our point of contacts was giving us their personal cell phone number telling us they will birth babies. They can go to the store for us. Like they were here for us. And it definitely showed when we got there, there was people at the door greeting us. Um, you know, we were pick. there was um, a whole room of uh, masseuses to give us massages. And it wasn't even, we, there wasn't even a wait. You just go in. There was like 20 of them in there, you know, like for the three days leading up to the trials, you know, there was breakfast, lunch, and dinner scheduled. Um, so it was just uh, like a, like a super amazing experience <laughs> that I just didn't expect. Um, and so I, I went on Thursday and I, you know, I got my packet and such and um, uh, picked up my new shoes and just kind of relaxed or not really relaxed a whole lot. <laughs> I kind of, I was meeting all these people that I had, you know, met on through Instagram, but not really in real life. And it was just so surreal like, wow, like, um, you know, um, it was just like, became real, like everything is actually happening. And all these amazing people that know me and I know of them um, are here. To, and we're all running this race that was basically, you know, years and months in the making for us. Um, so Thursday was just kind of a whirlwind day, just kind of going, wow, this is this is happening. And then on Friday, uh, my family came into town. And so I got to see um, my kids, and uh, which was great. And they were going to run the kids race um, in the morning on Saturday. And so... Um, Friday was really busy for me with uniform check. Like they were checking all of our uniforms. We had to tape over any logos that were bigger than the um, allowable size and things like that. Um, we had to pick up our bibs. Yeah, I um, saw that you taped over the Rambling Runner logo. I guess I didn't see it on your <laughs> kit. I'm just assuming. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, they were taping over everything and um and it and it was um yeah, and I you know, I was doing my shakeout runs. I went to the McCurdy train shakeout and you know, I started like um realizing some things that were like starting to make me a little emotional and you might be in a treat tonight for in a in for a treat tonight. <laughs> tell you that. I'm like emotionally, physically, mentally drained from a lot of things that happened this weekend that just weren't expected. So, um, but like, you know, there was these women that came to um, the McCurdy train she out there were like, oh my gosh, we drove all the way down from St. Louis to watch you. I mean, and everybody else, but we just don't want you to get a restraining order against us. <laughs> it was just so funny, but it made me realize like, Wow. Like, you know, I always say that I run for myself and sometimes for my kids, but it just made me realize that this weekend was so much bigger than me, you know, and that's kind of what the Olympic trials and Olympic spirit is about is all these people are, um, looking at the trials qualifiers and their stories and getting inspired in their own way, you know, and you usually think about the top contenders being those people, um, lending that inspiration, but there's all these other stories of people that aren't top contenders like myself. And it's kind of like somebody came up with a podcast to broadcast these stories <laughs> that, that people are just as inspired by. And so, um, so yeah, so it was just like, 
really, yeah, just really interesting how it was all coming together. And then, you know, Saturday morning, things started getting really real for me. Um, And it all started, I think, with the kids race in the morning. And, you know, I took my kids, you know, the little, my little ones, my six-year-olds were going to do the dash and my older two were going to do the mile run. So I took my little ones down for the dash and Brian was going to take the older two to the mile run. And they were going to cross the same finish line that we did. And so, you know, watching them standing on that start line and then running down, you know, a hundred meters to the finish line was just like, oh my gosh, you know, like this is it, you know, this is, this is going to be our moment too, you know, my moment, but also their moment. And of course, when they crossed the line, uh, my, my, one of mine was like, I got fourth place. I got fourth place in my other one. I was like, what place did I get? And I was like, well, I think you got fifth place, but I was like, it doesn't matter. You know, um, you did your best and that's, that's all that matters, you know, and that's kind of what I, you know, always preach to them and want them to see and to know. And then, um, and then I was kind of talking to them because I was going to pass them off to Brian and go get ready for my race. And um, I was telling them, okay, I'm about to go get ready for my race. And um, Hadley was like, uh, you know, there's a lot of other moms here running too, you know? And I was like, yeah, there are. And it just made me realize like, she gets it. Like, you know, um, I always, I, I, I knew bringing them down here. Like I didn't, really think that they quite understand, you know, what this race was about and they don't. But what they were seeing was that it was, it was common, right? Like it was common for mothers to be running in this race. And and that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted them to see, you know, that um, you can be a mom and strive to do, you know, great things for yourself. And like all these other mothers were here, doing the same thing that I was running this race and it was common and that you know I was thinking you know one day Hadley when you're you know uh, an adult with kids you know you'll go out and win a marathon and the reporters at the end won't be asking you how many kids you have and where are they (laughs) you know they'll be they'll be asking you about your race and uh, your training because you know, having kids and, you know, winning marathons will be common for women. And so I just like lost it at that point, just like I am now. And I was just like, you know, I usually say like, you know, I run for myself, but you know, the trials was like, it was about my kids, you know, it was going to be about my kids today. And, uh, and then after that, you know, they went off with Brian and then my friend Amy from college. Um, I hadn't seen her in 16 years and she also has four kids, but we um, ran together in cross country and track. And she like texted me, she's like, I'm here. You know, she lives in Atlanta with her husband, Mike, who I also knew from college. And so I like, you know, it was like um, 1030 at this point and I was like all ready to go. And I went down to see them and I'm like, hi, Amy. <laughs> I just started like crying and front of her and I'm just like oh my god it was just so unexpected because I'm not a crier like you can ask Brian he will tell you like when the I mean I can't remember the last time I've cried over anything like anything and so it was just so unexpected that I was just feeling so all these emotions but when it comes to my kids like I just get so emotional um so then I kind of got a hold of myself (laughs) 
and um, I got ready to go and you know say goodbye to Amy. And I was I went to the tent. It was like eleven o'clock, and um, I met up with all the other McCurdy athletes, you know. And um, you know, I just knew like today was going to be like an epic day, you know. Um, no matter what happened, and um, you know, we saw like Des Linden warming up, and Stephanie Bruce and Kellen Taylor were sitting like right next to us. And for them, it was going to be a different kind of day. Like they had other goals in mind, you know, but, um, you know, I largely, you know, running Phoenix and running Winaka 70.3, I, in some conscious ways, I didn't want to put a lot of emphasis on the performance of this race. And that's kind of why I decided to take these big risks at Phoenix and Winaka. Cause I, first of all, I really wanted to do them. I wanted, I secretly wanted that PR at Phoenix and then I wanted to go to New Zealand and I didn't want to pass up that opportunity, but I knew like the trials, knowing the course was going to be really, really hard. I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket and not have a good day for whatever reason. And then put so much emphasis on the performance that I didn't enjoy everything else, you know, and everything that I else had experienced there, you know. So so I was thinking about that too, knowing, you know, of course I want to run well, but um, you know, I was just thinking about so many other things that it just kind of didn't matter at that point, even before the race started. Um so I, I linked up with Sydney DeVore. She's also McCurdy trained. She's like super fast, like 231 marathon or something like that. And she's been injured like most of the last half of the year. So she was out here to start the race. Uh, her goal was just to start. And then she was going to drop off at some point eight to 13 miles or so, you know? And, um, so we decided we would run together for a little while. So, you know, we're standing on the start line and the gun goes off and we just go. And the plan was like 620s. Um, I said, you know, let's just try for 620s. And I, knowing the course, just knew like I didn't know how that was going to feel. It was just going to be like going off effort. And so um, when we started running, like the first thing I noticed was just how much, how loud the crowd was, man. It was just unbelievable. And I was running and I couldn't believe like how many people were yelling for me. And, you know, it wasn't just like every mile. It felt like every inch of the way, like go Sarah and not in this like humble brag kind of way, but it made me realize like, Oh, Oh my God. Like I couldn't believe how many people were like paying attention. You know, like I know people follow me on Instagram and comment on my posts and like know of me but it like just didn't feel real until today and it just was like maybe this isn't even like really about me and my kids maybe it's about so many other people too you know and um it kind of made me think like well my I hope I'm doing the right things I'm saying the right things and I just and then I was just like no you know I'm just being mean I'm just out here doing me you know and so right away, though, the effort felt hard. <laughs> it was really freaking hard. And I just knew today wasn't going to be my day. And obviously, I've just like completely overcooked by maybe one week. <laughs> I don't know, you know. Um, and uh, that was just that, you know, the marathon's fickle. You never really know how you're going to feel. But I didn't feel like I did at Phoenix at all or even Wanaka or even last weekend when I felt amazing, you know. 
Um, and so I was kind of, I was still running with Sydney and, um, you know, at mile six, I knew it was gonna be hard. And at just at that point, it was like, I just want to finish this race. Like I, I'm just going to finish. And I can't remember the last time my goal was just to finish, but that is how I felt. But I just, I just, the whole experience of people cheering for me mile after mile after mile was just like, you know, it just didn't even matter though, that I wasn't going to perform well. And then at mile eight, something happened that has never happened to me in a race. I stepped in a pothole and I fell, I just fell on the ground and, um, someone stopped Matt and put their, and she put both of her arms under my armpits and picked me up off the ground. And I was just like, Oh my God. Somebody stopped in the Olympic trials. It's just picked me off the ground. Like, what is happening here? You know, like, I couldn't believe somebody would do that, you know, in the Olympic trials. And I don't know who she is. And I hope I'll find, I'll find out. Um, but she was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, yes. And then at that point, I had lost Sydney and like the pack of what was probably like the 245 group. And I was just like, I just need to finish this race, you know, like today I just need to finish. And then, you know, I got to mile 13 and things went from bad to like super worse. I can't even tell you how bad I was feeling. My hips were hurting. My hamstring that gives me issues is really bothering me. I like could not pick my legs up the ground. And, you know, I saw Brian and, you know, throughout the race and just, just was like so grateful for him, you know, um, supporting me, you know, throughout these four years and still cheering me on, even though I just wasn't running well. And, you know, it's funny though. He, like, he drove eight hours down with the kids, right? And eight hours back. And so today I was thanking him. I was like, thank you so much for doing that. You know, that meant so much to me. And he goes, oh my gosh. I wish I had been running the marathon instead. That would have been easier. <laughs> <laughs> and then one quick funny story. He was like, in the car, they kept going, daddy, daddy, daddy. You know how kids are, like daddy. And he said, I told him that there was one rule and nobody could say the word daddy anymore. So then they're all kind of silent. And then they're like, Brian, Brian. That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But anyway, so um, I just kept going and I just kept telling myself one foot in front of the other. And, um, you know, mile 17, 18, 19 came and like I was like so worried about finishing. And I can't tell you the last time I was worried that I wouldn't finish a race. But um, I was like, oh my, I was telling myself like, you can take two weeks off after this and not do anything, but you just have to get to that finish line. Because I was like, you know, I could have, you know, stepped off the course, right? But, um, you know, I always tell my kids like, you just, you, you just go out there and you do your best. You know, that's all you can do. And that's enough, you know, and uh today like I knew like a DNF wasn't my best you know like I could finish that race and um I knew I just needed to finish for them you know 
up. And I just was like, it was so funny because I'm like smiling and laughing and like having a great time through all these photos. But inside I was dying. Like I wanted to die. And I wanted to laugh and cry at the same time because I was just feeling all these emotions during this race. And it was insane. And I like just did not expect this at all. Uh, and so, you know, by mile like 24, I like knew I was going to finish and I was just so like grateful. And, um, and then there was this bridge, there was this bridge at the end and there's this woman and she was going, Sarah, I'm pregnant with twins. You inspire me. And, um, and you know, like through the whole race, people were going, go Sarah, go Sarah, go Sarah. And it just, it just kept me going. And I just thought, wow, like, I just can't believe so many people, you know, um, are paying attention. And, um, you know, I just feel like I just post things into oblivion, like, you know, but it's just, it was just so real at this moment that, um, it's, you know, people were, um, inspired, you know, and, um, and I was, and that was just amazing to me. Um, so anyway, I went over this bridge and this one was cheering for me and this wind, it was so windy. It was like 35 mile an hour wind gust. It was so windy the whole race, you know, but it didn't matter. It was so windy and hilly and I was just feeling awful anyway. It just added to my distress. It was like, bring it on, you know? And, um, it was so windy that the wind was ripping some women's bibs right off their safety pit. It was that crazy. And that was like that. I just thought my bibs were going to rip right off when I was going over that bridge. But um, so I finally, you know, got to the finish line and I was just so <laughs> grateful to be done. It just obviously wasn't my day in any way, um, which was honest, somewhat so ironic, but so not unexpected. You know, ironic because I had just been on a tear this whole, you know, the last three weeks. And then I just feel like my body was ju just crashed and burned, you know, one week short, you know, one week, um, early, you know? Um, and then I saw James and Heather at the finish and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm just so glad I finished. And James is like, well, that's what happens when you, you know, you do five marathons. I'm like, I know, I know, stop <laughs> this. You know, you don't think I know. And then, um, and then I saw my kids and, um, it was, you know, it was kind of bittersweet because, my, you know, my one Brighton, she's so thoughtful. She like had made me this thing. I don't even know what it is. It's like this soft little pillow thing that says "Good job, mom," and it's like all misspelled. And um, and I just didn't feel like I did a good job, you know. But um, you know, but I was like, "Thank you so much." You know, I did my best, and that's what counts. And then um, you know, Hadley was like, um. But what place did you get, Mom? <laughs> you know, what place did you get? And I was like, you know what, Hadley? I don't really know. But it wasn't near the top. And she was like, oh, but you still did really good. And I was like, you know what? I did. And because that's how I always want them to feel about their self. You know, we're always so hard on ourselves as parents, as um, achievers. You know, we always just expect so much of ourselves. And we just, it's just unrealistic. You know, we just cannot do that. And, you know, this is just part of the sport. Um, so it wasn't really that I was like sobbing about my race or like, you know, <laughs> it was just that I just was so emotional from just feeling 
everything from before the race to during the race, you know, to after. Um, and um, yeah, it was just, I just, when I came to the Olympic trials, I didn't expect to feel any of this. Like, it was just like, oh, it's going to be another race. And in my mind, it was kind of like, I was like, you know, before in the in the week leading up to the race, I kind of, you know, I was satisfied with everything I had done in February. And I had already kind of approaching this as my victory lap in some ways. And looking back, I kind of went, I wouldn't have changed anything about what I did in February, but I kind of wish I would have said, I'm just going to go run for fun anyway. But I would never have done that. Like, that's not me. You know, I'm always just going to go and approach the weekend or the race with my best effort for the day, whatever that is, you know. But, um, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So after the race, you know, we went back to the room and we took some pictures and stuff. And then I was going to celebrate with, um, a bunch of my a college engineering friends who I hadn't seen in 16 years, but like six of them came, you know, to support me and, um, or seven of them. And, um, which was amazing, you know, just kept, we've just been keeping in touch. We were just a really close knit group in college. And, you know, I told, you know, I told, and my, everyone was going to go back home tonight. My, my, or last night, my parents and and Brian was going to drive halfway and then drive the other half. And, you know, um, so I told Hadley, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go, you know, and celebrate with my friends and I'll see you tomorrow. You know, thanks for, I'm so glad you were there to see me race. I'm so glad you had a good race too, Hadley, you know, um, and Hadley started crying because I was leaving and I wouldn't see her till tomorrow. And so of course, then I was like even more emotional because the whole like mom guilt comes into play. But I think like that's important to bring up because, you know, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, just because, you know, you're achieving these great things doesn't mean that you don't still have mom guilt. So that was just, you know, another thing on top of everything was that I just, you know, all these years I had trained for this race and now my, my kid is crying that the race is done because I'm not going back home with her, you know, like how terrible is this? But it's okay to feel, you know, like when I was talking at the Iron Woman podcast, I was like, it's okay to feel feel that way. You know, there will always be some kind of mom get, we just have to balance it, you know? And I was like telling myself, it's okay. I can go celebrate with my friends. I haven't seen in 16 years and I'm going home tomorrow and I'll see Hadley by noon, you know, but you still feel guilty, but (laughs) it's okay. Like the, you just have to strike the right balance, you know, and know like, you know, Hadley will be okay. And this is okay too. So anyway, it was just, um, so, so much of an emotional weekend all around, you know, I've saw a lot of my athletes, you know, on the course cheering me on, you know, at the shakeout run. And then just so many people that I didn't know knew me. Like, I can't believe these people know who I am. Like what I, it was just such an eye opening thing to me, Matt, that like people are paying attention and they're, they're here cheering us on because they're inspired by us in their own way. And it's not just the top contenders. It's so many other stories from the Olympic trials. And, um, you know, where you live in this little Instagram world where it's not really real and you don't, I don't really think about it. I just 
feel like I just post things into oblivion and whatever I say, whatever I want. But when I was on the course today, it just came crashing at me from every direction in the best way possible. But it was just so overwhelming. And it sounds like <laughs> this weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm still here, everybody. I'm still here. Um, that was that was a 24 minute monologue. Holy cow, Sarah Bishop! You have a lot of emotions. I told you, I just need to get this out. I just need to tell somebody. And I've already told you that I feel like you're more of a therapist than a podcaster. So I'm not even going to apologize <laughs> for all my crying. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I mean that in every way possible. And it sounds like this weekend was in every way, basically like a reflection for you on everything you put into your life, you know, whether it was an athletic, the athletic side, the business side, you know, as a basically a full-time coach now, and as a parent, it seems like you've experienced the fruits of your labor in all of those areas all at once in a very, very, I guess, monumental period of time in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like it just, I just, it was everything at once. <laughs> exactly like you said, you know, from all of the, you know, all of the training from February and, you know, um, the race just playing out as it was to um, all of my, you know, my athletes there, all of these people though, that had followed my journey along with me for four years and really just knowing like, like, I always say that I run for myself, but like, I just was like, today just felt like it was for my kids and so many other people too. And I felt like that was just so incredibly overwhelming to me because I've never really thought about that before, you know? And when it comes to my kids, like, you know, nothing makes me more emotional than them, but you know, all these other people too, just added to that, just, <laughs> I just did not know how to process that, you know, at the same time though, I'm hurting in a race more than I've ever heard in my life. And um, had it been Phoenix, I would have stepped off the course. Like, no. And then I would have explained myself to you like I am now. You know, like, I just didn't feel good, right? No big deal. Like, the goal wasn't to finish. But it was the Olympic trials. And, you know, this was something that I'd worked so hard towards. And, like, so, you know, it was such an honor to be a part of. And, you know, something that so many other people wish and, you know, that they could have taken part in and tried to earn a spot to, you know, like this was, there was no way I wasn't going to cross that finish line, um, you know, yesterday. And it's easy to say, oh, you were going to cross that finish line, but you have zero idea how much my pain my body was in. It was just, I just cannot remember the last time I felt so bad. So it, um, so many emotions and such a ride and I, it really couldn't have been any better of a culmination, you know, in one race besides having a good race. But again, like, I just feel like it really didn't matter. Like it, it wasn't, even through the race, like I didn't care, you know, I was just feeling all these other feelings. And it was really just about finishing, I think, even before I towed the line. Um, because it, the race just meant so much more than the result. Um, 
So, so yeah, it was just like, uh, overwhelming, you know, experience, uh, on so many levels and I haven't cried so many tears and I don't like, like, what is wrong with me? You know, like, and I'm still like, what is wrong with me? But, you know, um, I think it was just like, you know, four years of emotions and work and just, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, just kind of all pouring out on the day, you know? Absolutely. And I think that one thing that's easy to forget if someone follows you, you know, very recently, say the, over the course of this past year and have seen you kick ass in a lot of ways, you know, training and picking up this new sport and like dominating it on some level, almost right from the jump and like winning a marathon, like off of like coming, you know, while coming off of triathlon season and like, you know, you're this, you know, very, very competitive person. I think it's easy for people to forget if, or if they didn't know, even in the first place that several years ago, that you were coming back to competitive athletics. Like this wasn't like, again, you ran at Auburn, you were a high level athlete earlier in your life, but it's not as if you sustained that momentum over two decades and then getting to the Olympic trials was this kind of this force of inertia. Like you, you busted your butt to get here. And while it may look like, hey, like Sarah Bishop's just like this badass athlete who's just like, you know, kicking ass and taking names like that wasn't necessarily the case for a while. And you've worked so hard to get here. And it's important not to lose sight of that fact now that you you know, are you know at, at the top of, you know, basically near the top of triathlon in so many of these races. And here you are like winning a marathon before the trials. Yeah. And that was another thing. It's like, you know, I was just on such a roll, but you know, it's even in the past five years, it hasn't been, it hasn't been linear. And it's so easy to always look at somebody's best results and only remember that. But I remember, I know all of my marathon results. And I'll tell you, like 2014 was my debut. I ran like 253. And then 2015, um, I, I did better. I ran 247 and then missed the 2016 Olympic trials cutoff. And then 2016 was a bad year. I got injured and then I came back and I ran like 257 at the Marine Corps Marathon for fourth. And then that's when I, you know, enlisted McCurdy train and had a great 2017 and qualified. But then 2018 was rough. My best marathon was like, 250. I didn't run well. I got injured in 2019. I didn't run a marathon at all, you know? Um, so, you know, uh, there was two years where I didn't PR in the marathon and I definitely had ups and downs and I didn't have this linear progression in in marathon PRs or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's easy to assume, oh, somebody's running so well, look at them kicking ass every weekend, but it's really not like that. It's it, those are the things that you remember about that person, but, uh, rarely anybody's, um, uh, projection is is ever linear in in the sport, and so I think that we tend to add pressure to ourselves because we feel like there's outside expectation on us because they, of what they know about us, but they forget how we've had bad races and bad seasons, and that we are human too. And so I was also feeling some of that for sure, but. You know, I tell my athletes too, the pressure you feel is internal. You know, people out who are rooting for you are generally are rooting for you because of who you are, you know, and they're still going to find you inspirational, you know, um, 
uh, no matter what your finish time is, you know, you're still who you are if you have a great day and you're still who you are if you have a bad day, but the internal, but the, but the pressure we feel is internal. But I just felt like so many people, Matt, was, were coming out of the woodwork going, oh, you know, I'm tracking you. Good luck. You're going to do amazing. And I'm like, where are you guys all coming from? Who are you? Like, oh my God, so many people are watching me. And it just, it just fell. And then like, and then it just became apparent on the course. Like, this was like so much bigger than I ever thought, you know, um, people being inspired, which is a good thing, but it also makes you feel, um, like you need to perform, you know, to expectation too. So there was some of that going on, but at the same time, uh, it's good to see that, you know, I'm human like everybody else and I have bad days and the marathon is tough and some days it's just not your day. And I've had my fair share of those. And actually two years before I just, you know, I ran 239 three weeks ago, but I hadn't run a good marathon in two years before that, you know, in the two years before that. So, um, so yeah, so it's just, uh, you know, we, we're all, um, you know, I think, uh, running this, it's just part of the sport, you know, the ups and downs and the roller coaster ride and the ebbs and flows and nobody is immune. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, there was just so much culminating this week and that was definitely part of it. So this weekend was a hallmark weekend and race and event for so many people in Atlanta and outside of Atlanta. And Lord knows there's a lot of people who this morning, Sunday morning, the day after the race thought to themselves, you know what? 2024, I'm going to be there. I saw the excitement. This was amazing. I want to be there. If you were talking to one of those people right now, someone like yourself, right? Who was obviously a high quality athlete who going to the trials wasn't like a complete moonshot, but would require years and years of effort, what would you say to that person? I would say you absolutely have nothing to lose, you know, and, and the more I feel that way about my racing and training, the more successful I am. Um, I would say that there's going to be ups and downs and that you can't, um, you, you can't judge yourself by your last race or your last workout and you can't, ride the emotional roller coaster either. You really need to take an objective look, you know, at your races and know there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days, but there's always going to be another race. And, um, and you know, you're, you will be rewarded though with, um, persistent progress. If you're persistent and consistent in your training and you really, really want it, you know, um, hard work will pay off, but, uh, but there's going to be bumps in the road and you can't let that deter you. You have to know that that's just part of the process and we all go through it. So that's, that's what I would say. That, that's what I would say. It's completely worth it. And you'll be a changed person at the end of the process, no matter if you reach your goal or not, because you'll learn so much about yourself and achieve so much during those four years that you were trying that you never, never expected either. Um, you'll just get so much more out of you know, this process than the, the end, you know, than the absolute goal than you could have ever thought. 
So in every way, it's worth it because you're only going to gain everything. <laughs> you're going to gain fitness. You're going to gain perspective. You're going to grow in confidence. You're going to grow as an athlete. You're going to grow in your mental and physical maturity, you know, uh, and emotional, you know, you're going to learn so much. You're going to gain friendships. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a process that, uh, you know, I could never have, I could never have anticipated that, the entire process was just more than I could have ever imagined it was going to be. But um, whether I had achieved the standard or not, it was absolutely worth chasing. All right. Before we get into some listener questions, because we will do that, I did open it up to some people, and most of them were pretty funny. One was almost explicit in a very funny way. But before we get into that, um, I do want to say one more thing, and that is, what was it like for you kind of chronicling your journey as you went, which I know this is kind of a new experience for you? I loved it. I mean, it was a way for me to like process the last few months as we went on and like, um, and record, you know, my, my own journey, you know? And so I did, I would, after a few days, listen, finally listen to my own podcast, <laughs> get over myself and listen to it and be like, Oh yeah. So yeah, I did do all those things and okay. That was cool. You know, <laughs> I wonder, you know, what, what should I change next about the, you know, should I change anything about my plan for the next three months? But yeah, it was really cool. And, and plus like today, like I'm texting you, Matt, can you do this tonight? I just need to talk. Like, <laughs> I, just need to, I just need to get this all out right now. You know, so, um, so that was, yeah. So it's really cool because I know people want to hear this. This is what they want to hear. They want to hear the real, the realness of what it meant maybe to somebody like me who wasn't even a contender, you know, but who, um, you know, made the trials and still was hoping to do well and didn't. And maybe that's um, even a more interesting story because there was a lot of people on the day that didn't do well. And a lot of people, they did, you know, it was kind of split half and half. Um, it was a tough course and the conditions were tough and anything could have happened. And guess what? Anything did happen. So it's really great to hear like the super success stories, like Molly Seidel, like how crazy amazing is that for her to get second in her debut marathon, like fairy tale stuff, you know? And then there's, People like me who maybe wanted to do well, but had this big month and, you know, it just didn't go my way, you know? So there was definitely two sides of the coin, um, I think throughout the competition. And so I think it's really important to hear both sides because, um, both sides happened. So yeah, so it was great. Like I loved the chronicling throughout the journey and it was a good way for me to recap and process what happened the last three months because I don't always do that to my, with myself. Um, and sometimes I think about it a little bit differently after I talk it out with you. <laughs> there you go. All right. So let's dive into some questions. All right. First, question from how about a run karen how who's been on oh, the railing goodness. runner podcast yes. before uh, <laughs> another member of the mccurdy trained group okay um what was the energy like in uh, especially around the people near you in the race was it heads down ready to work or more of a light-hearted feel well around me was middle and back of the pack <laughs> 
So it was definitely lighthearted. It was like, I mean, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say lighthearted, but I would say like, because the course was so brutal and the conditions were so brutal, the people I was around, we just wanted to finish, you know, it was clear that our goal was just finished. And so like any other race, we were trying to work together and for goodness sake, a girl stopped in her race and literally put her arms around me and picked me up off the ground, you know? So it was very much, um, this, you know, um, camaraderie, um, almost like any other race. And, um, but at the same time it was, we were suffering like all of us, nobody was having a good time with 1300 feet of elevation gain on this super, super windy day, you know? Um, but it was clear that we, that our goal was definitely to finish and everybody was, um, you know, we were kind of trying to work together and yell at each other, you know, to get that done. I mean, on the U-turn, people would, you know, come on, you're doing great. You know, if I, if I knew the person yell their name kind of thing, because it just got really tough for all of us really fast. All right. So about half the questions, and there were a lot of questions, about half of them were related to the shoes. People wanting to know your decision process, how they felt and how they were on that course specifically, like going uphill and downhill and then basically all things related to the alpha flies. Okay. So yeah, so I, um, I did choose to wear the alpha fly that day and mostly because I didn't really care. Like I was like, I mean, I guess in my mind, I was like, you know, like most people were, I think who were super competitive were thinking, um, well, I don't know of most people, but a lot of people were thinking nothing new on race day, right? That's the common advice and the good advice probably. But to me, it was like, oh, it's exciting. Like, this is a new shoe. Uh, this is the latest technology. Like, I'm going to wear it. Like, I don't care. I'm a risk taker. You know that, Matt. You know? So and you're no an engineer. In my mind. You're, you're an engineer. You're not going to, like, <laughs> yeah, laugh in the face the of technological technology. advances. I just felt like if they felt good to me then I was going to wear them. So there was like no question. I didn't even care. You know, I was like, I'm just going to wear them. <laughs> and um, so they, you know, honestly, they felt very, very similar to like the um, Nike fly knit uh, 4%. I, I never bought the next percent. So I never wore those, but they, they felt very similar to the Vaporfly, you know, fly knit to me um, just with twice the stack height. So, um, you, you felt, it just felt a little bit even more ridiculous than the, the Nike fly neck. And it, it made me think, yeah, okay, th there needs to be regulations on these shoes at some point, because this is kind of getting stupid. It really made me feel like that, but they're a legal shoe. I'm not here to decide what's legal and what's, what's ethical. If, you know, if it's, it's open for everybody to wear on race day, then that is fair game. So anyway, I did wear them. I mean, like I said, I didn't feel like they um, felt any much different besides being twice the stack height. However, I kind of didn't like that they felt a little bit heavier. They're a little clunkier, a little heavier. Um, I don't know if I would say I don't know if I like them more than the Vaporfly, than, than the Flyknits. I don't know that I like them more. Obviously, the Flyknits are way better than any other shoe out there. And I definitely feel a difference um, for the, from the Vaporfly to a, any other shoe. But um, when, I, when, I, when I go up to the Alpha Fly, it doesn't feel like a whole lot different to me. So, um, yeah, so I didn't feel like I, you know, it was a whole lot different besides being a little bit clunkier and twice the stack height. I was kind of like, well, what's the purpose of just, you know, this is just like the flying on steroids. I don't know if it's adding any 
additional benefit because um, it just didn't, I mean, it just didn't feel a whole lot different, just a little bit heavier, a little bit clunkier. But I mean, that was fine, but I don't know that I would, I don't know that I prefer them, honestly. I don't know that I do. Um, so, yeah. And one thing that I brought up in our recap, because the recap I did with Jason Fitzgerald right after the race was questioning about how those things, considering the huge stack height of what is it, 39.5 millimeters, um, how that affected people, you know, going down severe downhills or taking turns as opposed to like flat and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I felt like I was moving so darn slow. <laughs> sure i'm qualified to answer that i mean i felt like um i felt like the shoe maneuvered fine um i would the fly knit that the nike vaporfly have been a better shoe on that course maybe i don't know um like i said i felt like it maneuvered fine but it did feel a little just too clunky to me in general um it was just almost too much it was almost too much to me, you know? Um, so yeah. So, uh, I I guess that's my opinion. I I felt like the shoe was almost too much. It was fine for the day. I didn't feel like it was any better or worse than the Vaporfly, but I almost prefer the Vaporfly because it's simpler. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And you're not the only one. I mean, you saw Sally Kipiego and Abdi Abdurrahman, both Nike athletes decided not to go with the alpha flies. Uh, Uh, And and they're both on the team. So, I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that you weren't the only one with that opinion. That's for sure. Um, I don't know who this person is. They said on a scale of 10 to 11, how would she rate her, the amazingness of her husband? (laughs) Can we pass on that one? I think I know who asked that question. (laughs) That's what, that, that, that one came in late. That one came in while we were he recording. He is pretty amazing. Okay. He is amazing. <laughs> he is amazing. I will give him that. I've already told him all of that this weekend, but we don't need to inflate his ego even more. I did talk. I just cried about him in my monologue. Okay. So <laughs> and he can hear it right now. We might get another question in a second. Um, all right. So some people are talking about, you know, what's kind of like the what's up next kind of questions you know so rest of 2020 obviously you deserve and probably god please please spend some time recovering please sarah but (laughs) after you do what are some of the things that you want to focus on in the future yeah so i did i i was bargaining with myself i was like i will give i will take two weeks off if i just finish this race i mean i'm not gonna take two weeks off now i'm done but (laughs) I'll take a week off. I will take a week off and I'll do nothing. And I almost never do that, but I'm just fried. I'm fried. I'm fried in every way possible. Um, emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, but what is that? I'm going to do, I'm going to do the Texas Ironman, the full Texas Ironman on April 25th. So it's a full, almost two months away and I am ready. I'm going full board triathlon. I am at peace with the marathon. I am done with the marathon. Well, kind of, because I have to run a marathon at the end of a full triathlon. Yeah, you're but not I even like close that. to done with the marathon. Sarah. I feel not like even close. I'm hoping. I think that's a little, I feel like it's kind of different. I'm just telling myself that. But um, yeah, I'm just going to go full on triathlon. So I'm going to do, actually probably going to do three full Ironmans this year. I'm thinking about 
Ironman Texas in April, Ironman Lake Placid in um, July, and Ironman Chattanooga in September. And then I'll do some 70.3s in between those. But um, that's kind of the plan. Like, I'm just ready to move on. I like triathlon. I like the new challenge. It's definitely appealing to me to just go all in um, the rest of the year on triathlon. All right. That sounds fun. Now let's talk about on the, the business side. So you've been, you know, you're basically a full-time running coach for McCurdy trained. And here you are someone who's fully embraced triathlon. Do you think you're going to delve into triathlon coaching at all? You know, people have asked me, definitely asked me if I'm going to start coaching triathlon and, um, no, I don't think I am anytime soon. Um, and the reason is because it's just a lot more time um, spent coaching. It's a lot more time for me. And I already have a full load with coaching my runners. So um, I'm um, so yeah, I don't I really just don't. Um, it's not appealing to me to take on even more athletes. I mean, I can't take on any more athletes, really. I only have like a couple slots open in my run, you know, with my runners right now. And I'm just like, booked up solid. And triathlon is just that much more time um, uh, that I need to spend coaching. It's just a lot more of a time commitment that I just don't, I just don't have. I just, I'm already like book solid with my, you know, triathlon training and, and with my family and um, coaching running. So uh, yeah, it's just a time commitment thing that I'm just not willing to delve into right now. All right. So last question before we get going, you're a very goal-oriented person. You got a lot of races on the calendar. Four years ago, you looked at the Olympic trials for 2020, said, I'm going to be there. You had just missed it in 2016. What long-range goal or goals do you have in mind? Oh, yes. This is a good question. <laughs> so I would love to qualify for 70.3 Worlds. So I have to basically get a slot and there's like one slot per race on a roll, you know, pro slot on a roll down system. So right now I've gotten fifth place. So I haven't gotten a slot yet, you know, but as the year goes on and more people get slots, if I get third or fourth, it might roll down to me, you know? So I'm looking for that. I'd love to qualify for Kona again, same kind of thing. You have to get you know, you have to win an Ironman or be, you know, or get the slot on a roll down system. So these might be two year goals, three year goals. I don't know, but, um, that would, that's event. that's hopefully my goal eventually is to qualify for 70.3 worlds and, and, um, full Ironman worlds at Kona. And then, um, you know, when the 2024 standard comes out for the marathon, you know, I'll see what I can do. You know, honestly, like I've, you know, running 239 like i never thought i could do that like i never never thought i could do that um uh you know when the standard for 20 uh you know 2020 came out and it was 245 i told james okay yeah i i think i can do that and i remember telling myself it was if it was 243 i wouldn't be capable so i probably wouldn't chase it and then i ran 242 you know and then after that i kind of told myself like i'll never run sub 240 like that's just so fast i'll never i could never do that and then when i started getting in shape in january i started going wow like 
maybe I could, you know, and that's why I was kind of so anxious to run Phoenix is because I was on a, I felt awesome. And, um, I knew I probably couldn't run sub 240 on the trials course. And I thought, I'm just going to go do this and see if I can do it. So if the trial standard is 237, you know, like I was doing things, even my last workout before the trials, I thought, wow, like maybe I could actually run 237, you know? So, um, so even though the trials wasn't you know, my, the race I wanted, I was still in such good shape that, I, you know, better shape than I've ever been in my life. It did make me think that I might have a shot to qualify for 2024. And so, yeah. So at that point, you know, I I'll see what I can do. You know, that's, um, the trials window won't open for a while, but I'll, I'll chase that standard at some point. Um, but right now it's all triathlon. I'm just gonna, for, for this year and even next year, the beginning part, I want to slot to Kona or 70.3 worlds. I love it. And who knows, maybe, maybe by going through the triathlon for a few years here, it will kind of save, you know, save your legs a little bit because there'll be less pounding as you, you know, look at another four years out and, and we'll see. Yeah, there, there's a lot to that. So my best marathons have come after I haven't had a good marathon in two years. And I think a lot of that, some of it's physical, but a lot of it's mental too. If you really, really want it, you'll, you'll do the right training and stay engaged and be mentally ready in the race, you know. But uh, yeah, you, you don't know. You don't know. You don't have to limit yourself. You know, all you have to do is trust the process, you know, trust the process and just, you know, and go for it. There's just, you have nothing to lose. Right. So, yeah. I appreciate all the funny, goofy questions we got for this episode. With that said, this was a heartfelt family-based episode. So I'm not going to go into would you rather X or Y or Z, which were pretty funny. I have to give it to all the people who submitted those. We're not going to go with them. (laughs) We're going to keep it on the up and up. Sarah, thank you so much for being part of this journey for the whole time and for sharing so much of yourself with everyone who's been listening. Well, thanks, Matt. I appreciate you sitting patiently while I gave my monologue and cried all the tears. So uh, I needed that. I don't know if you needed that, but I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm, thank you. I appreciate you being so patient. Oh. Sarah, my goodness. That was an unbelievable episode. Thank you again for being a staple of this series. It's truly remarkable what you've been able to do, and it's been such an honor and a privilege to see it all you know, come to fruition and be there for the entire journey. Again, if you haven't heard Sarah's episodes before, please go back. I got to find another gimmick or series that I can bring Sarah uh, aboard on because just talking to her is so much fun. It's so enjoyable. And I shoot, I don't know if I can have a, you know, a month to month rambling runner or road Olympic trials podcast series without Sarah Bishop. That's for sure. So again, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, the listeners for rating and reviewing and sharing the show and for also spreading the joy of, you know, how you feel about these athletes to them personally, as you heard in this episode, it makes a difference. And I really appreciate you doing that. So have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution. Evolution.